Welcome to Profit and Prosper, a podcast for entrepreneurs who are ready to make some money while doing what they love. On this podcast, we're going to pull back the curtain and talk about all things business and money, but I promise you this is not your typical boring numbers talk. I'm your host, Sarah Young, a CPA and CFO with over a decade of experience in finance, business, and leadership. I'm going to share everything I've learned from helping my clients grow more profitable businesses and keep more of what they earn while growing my own successful business along the way. You'll feel empowered and confident that you too can grow your wealth, live a rich life, and have an impact. Stick with me and you might even start to think that finance is fun. Let's dive in. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 73, and I have another really fun guest interview for you today. We're going to talk about some next level stuff around investing, alternative investing, um, and specifically looking at real estate investing. So the guests that we have today are Rachel Grun and Andrea Swick. I wanted to have them come on because their whole thing that they do is they are real estate investors and they helped other people get into real estate investing. And this is not what most people talk about with real estate investing. They're not here to talk about how to get into Airbnbs or how to get into long-term rentals. They're talking about some legit strategies that I think are really smart and are things that, you know, in my CFO practice that I talk about with my clients as we talk to them about how to start allocating their cash flow to start building wealth. And, you know, obviously Airbnbs and rental properties are great, but that's not the only thing out there. Um, and I'm just really excited for you guys to start diving in. We talk in this episode about what alternative investing is, how to get started, the things you should be paying attention to, just really giving you a primer in a different way to think about investing that is not just, you know, putting money into retirement accounts and no shade on retirement accounts. Like, obviously, I think it's good to have those in the mix too. But I think that more women, more women business owners like you listening to me, I think we need to get more into these other investments that traditionally are really heavily dominated by men. Rachel Grun and Andrea Swick are nationally recognized real estate investment experts on a mission to educate busy professionals to multiply their money and unlock their financial legacy. They've amassed a combined real estate portfolio totaling over $105 million in assets under management. As the co-founders and managing partners of Good Good Investing and the host of the Good Good Investing podcast, which I was on a few weeks ago, they empower entrepreneurs with creative ways to multiply their money and gain control of their time. So I'm really excited just to hear some of the knowledge that they drop. And I will admit, we nerded out a little bit. We used some terminology. We threw some words out. And I tried to stop and make sure we explained every step of the way. So don't let that overwhelm you. And I would love to hear after you listen to this, if you have any takeaways, if it sparked any interest in you to learning about investing if you want to learn more about it, I would love to hear, you know, share on your Instagram stories, make sure you tag us or send in either one of us um, a DM. I'm, we would love to hear feedback. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode. All right, y'all. I'm really excited to talk to Rachel and Andrea. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. First things I'd want to talk about what 
you guys do? You tell me your background, tell me about your business and just, just everything. Like, how did you get into investing and give me all the deets? Yeah, we're real estate investors first. And that's how we started. And we met each other in a room full of men and we're like, (laughs) must meet you. And um, we got together and just um, around this idea of educating uh, about investing and making it super easy and accessible to understand. Yeah, our whole thing is like breaking down barriers in commercial real estate, just like Andrea said. It's so it's filled with so many, like I call them like crusty dusties, just like old people, mostly men. And I'm like, this is for everyone, regardless of your financials, regardless of your gender, your age, like this is for you. And so that's been a huge part of our mission with good, good investing is just to make it accessible, relatable, um, easy to understand. And I grew up in a real estate family, so I've been kind of surrounded by it my whole life, which is why. I'm blessed enough to be young and doing it because a lot of people don't find out about this type of stuff until they are older. So, um, yeah. Enter me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I found out about. Yeah. Still, still relatively young for a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like most people don't start in commercial real estate till they're like in their mid sixties. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. And I just started off in Silicon Valley working my corporate, nine to five, kind of waiting for that promotion and trying to climb up the corporate ladder. And I decided to really just take matters into my own hands and learn about real estate investing from scratch. So I've kind of done a bunch of everything. Um, My portfolio is really diversified and I really love commercial real estate as well as residential real estate. That's awesome. Well, that's great that you, I feel like it's really unusual. Like you said, it's mostly old men and old white men specifically, much like my profession, a lot of the accountants out there tend to be old white men. And that is just, it makes it different for if you're a woman, if you are a person of color, if you're anybody who's not that, it makes it feel really overwhelming to start. And so I love that you you both went to a conference, it sounds like probably about real estate and you're like, oh, like the only other woman in the room, let's let's be friends. Yeah, exactly. Between the two of you, you know, how much do you like personally have in real estate? I know you put this on your website, so I want you to tell us how much you have, you know, in real estate. Yeah, I think combined it's 1800 units and then 140, over 140 million on assets under management. Yeah. We're about to close on some more properties. So the number is always changing, but yeah, Yeah. it's around 140 million. So to say that again, 1800 units for people listening and 140 million in assets. And you don't get into this. You don't have $140 million in cash just sitting around to buy this, right? Like, I think that's where people, even for one unit, right? It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. And people are like, I don't, I don't have the cash to buy this. Actually, I'm going to tell a story. One of my clients, one of my favorite clients, I've been on her about investing because her business makes really good money. And I was like, you got to start. We got to start doing some things. We need to get some tax breaks. Like, And so she came to me a couple of weeks ago and had gone under contract on um, like a vacation rental beach house. You know, it was like a million dollar beach house. And she was like, oh my God, the debt on this is it's a mindset shift, right? Like you have 140 million in assets and who knows how much debt, but like you don't go into it with $140 million in cash, right? No, 
Yeah, exactly. There's so many different ways to acquire properties. Um, Like there's a standard way where you do like the 25 to 30% down. I know for our Airbnbs, we did a 30% down. Um, then we have our buy and hold that we put 20% down. And then our commercial, which crazy enough, you don't have to put any money down in terms of, you know, do you just put your investment in? So um, definitely all different kinds of levels. And also like for our passive investors and for us as well, we don't have to vouch for the loan with our own income or our own tax return. So that also opens up a wealth of properties and opportunities that we otherwise wouldn't have access to based on our balance sheet, right? Like who can get qualified for a $15 million loan? You know, not many people I know, but that's the power of partnerships. That's the power of the syndication model of real estate investing, which is just a fancy word for crowdfunding, right? We just crowdfund real estate investments and we do set a minimum, but the minimums are relatively low compared to like Andrea said, what... 30%, 20% down would be on an investment property. Yeah. For our Airbnb is the purchase price was 1.3 million. And so we put down 30% of that 1.3 million. And so one of the passions of mine is just really to talk about diversification as well. Like I love the idea of Airbnbs and they're awesome, but that might not be the exact place that someone should be putting a lot of their money into, you know, diversification is huge. Yeah. Yeah. In everything, right. Like in everything you do, it's one of those, like, you know, for my business degree days, like core business principles, core finance principles, we have to diversify, like what you invest in, even within your business. I've had a lot of clients coming in where their only asset that they have is their business. And so if they step away, if they don't structure it to sell for the right price, like they're you back yourself into a corner only having that. And so that's why, you know, people hear me preaching about, we've got to start investing into other things outside of your business, um, Mm. you know, to diversify. So you're not just like backed into a corner being stuck in your business. Right. Yep. So you guys said a lot of big words that I know, but I feel like a lot of listeners probably don't. So let's just kind of like start at the beginning and first question what is alternative investing? Oh, that's good. Um, Andrea, I want you to take this one. Alternative investing is, I guess, everything outside of the stock market. Um, so for us, we only really knew about our 401k when we were corporate employees. And so really, that's what our mind focused on whenever we thought about investing And um, I guess alternative would be, you know, real estate is something different, Um, but there's also like oil and gas. You can get into precious metals. Um, There's businesses, buying businesses, buying businesses. (laughs) As we were talking before, as I record this, my husband and I are currently under contract to buy business, which is a definite, definite alternative investment. Yeah. FedEx routes. I mean, there's so many other ways that you can invest your money. And it, the whole idea would be, you know, to get cash flow and appreciation, whether it is through a business or through real estate, but you're looking for that additional income um, that you could be generating. Yeah. And some of those alternative investments are more passive and more active than others. So it just yeah. depends on kind of yeah. your risk level and how much involvement you want to have. Yeah. So really what they're saying is 
90, at least 90% of people out there probably just put all of their extra investments into a retirement account, maybe a brokerage account, because that feels easy. And that is totally fine if that is your jam. But, you know, one of the things like a lot of my clients and me personally, I want to be able to retire early and people will say like, I don't ever want to stop working. Like for me, I'll probably not stop working. I just want to have enough like FU money to be like, peace if I want to by the time I'm in my forties. So I'm 36 now. And so, you know, still working on building up our assets by making investments, right? And so I think what people don't realize is that if you have all of your money in retirement accounts, you really can't access that until you're in your 60s, right? Or 59 and a half, whatever it is. Um, and so it's tied up there. If you invest into a brokerage account, like, yeah, depending on your income level, there's some good tax breaks, but it's not as good as some other types of investments. So just starting to plant the seed. I wanted to just plant the seed with this episode of like talking about all the different things that you can invest in. If I could just add two things. One is we really want to work because we want to, not because we have to. Um, I think that's really huge. And so the people that say they want to never stop working, totally get it because you're loving what you do. But I probably guarantee like at an older age, you're going to want to slow down. So Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about that ahead of time. And then with brokerage and 401k and all of that, the thing is that there's not a lot of stock um, that gives you distributions. And so if you, you know, are looking to cash out when you're 65, maybe you'll have enough, but you don't know when you're actually going to need it until, does that make sense? And so it's really hard to predict if you have enough money or not, but when you put it into alternative investments or like real estate, you have that cash flow that you can pretty much count on. And so those are distributions that you can count on on a monthly basis that's going to sustain your life for a number of years and time until you decide to sell. So I think that's a really big difference between kind of leaving it up to the stock market or brokerage, you know, um, where you don't have too much control. And so that's one of the reasons why we decided as a family to sell all of our stock and get into real estate investing, but that's a different story. <laughs> and I think also people maybe don't know that you can do alternative re- investing with your 401k or IRA as long as it's solo or self-directed. And so we're not saying you anyone has to cash out their 401k yeah. to start investing in alternative assets. You don't have to. If yeah. you can, if you have the opportunity to roll it over to a solo or self-directed a retirement account, you can actually invest with your retirement account and not have to take any penalty on uh, any any of it, but it's just going to accelerate the growth that much further. So that's yeah. also something to consider. That's a, that's a good point too. And it's something that I have considered, you know, I have my 401k rollover into my IRA and I actually started to set up a self-directed IRA to make some other investments, sort of pause it currently. Just from a tax perspective, I don't necessarily love long-term real estate in a self-directed IRA because you kind of lose some of the tax benefits, not lose it. It's just, you don't get to take advantage of those, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely like, if you've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in a 401k, like you could absolutely look at doing some, um, you know, like a fix and flip or something where the short term, the tax advantages are different than long-term real estate, but it's definitely something to consider for people. 
uh, the deal that we're looking at right now is actually a triple end deal, which a lot of people are not familiar with, but basically you could take your self-directed IRA funds and you can put it into a risk resilient um, asset like a triple end, which means that we have a, we have land, we have a new build, and then we already have a tenant in place. And they have a contract for 20 years. And so you're getting monthly cash distributions for your investment. And then when we sell, you're getting the appreciation on top of that as well. Yes. Appreciation, meaning the increase in value that you get over time. Yes. Uh huh. If you're enjoying my podcast, then you are going to love my exclusive weekly email series, Profit and Prosper Millionaire Mondays. As a business owner, you have limitless potential for the amount of cash flow you can create in your business, but your journey to building wealth might not feel all that straightforward. To convert your cash flow into real wealth, you need to do a bit of planning and strategizing so that you can be wealthy and be well, reaching financial independence and eventually retiring or relaxing early at your lake house, which is my plan. In my Millionaire Mondays email series, I share tactics and strategies for using your business to generate your first million dollars in net worth in the same approachable way that you get in the podcast. Sign up for my exclusive emails for free at profitandprosper.co forward slash millionaire. You know, when we say cash flow, we mean money landing in your pocket, in your bank account every month from these investments. And so when we talk about, you know, wealth building, a lot of times people will talk about how much money do you have in the bank? And I don't necessarily mean in the bank, I mean, in assets, right? And in investments, but it's really not about the investment amount. It's about the cash flow. So talk to me a little bit about how that works, you know, with alternative investments and like, why we care about the cash flow. So with alternative alternative investments and cash flow, like Andrea said, a lot of times with stocks, you don't really realize any profit unless you were to sell. Um, but with this, we have the opportunity to share profit with our passive investors um, from the rent that we collect from our tenants. So if you're in a multifamily building, that's going to be our uh, our bottom line um, is our net operating income, right? That's a net operating income is all of your revenue minus all of your expenses, how much you are actually bringing home. And then we're able to share that with our investors. With this, with triple net, which we're really excited about, the, the triple in or the triple net basically means that our tenants are paying for all of the expenses with the property, all of the property taxes, all of the utilities and all of the maintenance, like they are paying all the insurance. I mean, everything. So as building owners, we have absolutely zero expenses associated. So we're able to share all of our revenue with our um, investors in that, in that circumstance. And with triple net, it's kind of like a blue chip stock is kind of how, what I would very risk resilient. Um, and the, the income is much more consistent. It's like monthly in the bank, like our investors can expect a check every single month to their bank account. Um, whereas in multifamily, uh, the distributions are not as consistent. But also what I want to tell people is the cash flow 
is fantastic. And it's an awesome element of these assets, but it's not where like the meat is. The meat is in the real estate appreciation. Just like you said, it's, it's in the value that we're adding to the building, whether it's just naturally the market is increasing and the market is building value, or we are making material changes to the property to force appreciation. And in commercial real estate, the value is so interesting how it's valued and residential. It's based on what your neighbor sells for, right? In commercial real estate, and you know this because I know you're under contract on a business right now, in commercial real estate, the value is based on your income, your net income, your net operating income. So as long as we are managing our expenses and we are increasing our income, whether it's through opt-in programs for our tenant, like covered parking, laundry, stuff like that, or if it's literally just mitigating property management expenses, we are increasing value. So that's that's also how we can force appreciation through this. So even if the cash flow isn't great or it's been paused, like in multifamily, a lot of cash flow is paused right now because of the interest rate environment, doesn't mean that your investment's suffering. You still get the huge appreciation upside. Cash flow is just a cherry on top. Yes. So with real estate specifically, when we talk about cash flow, one of the great things that me as also a tax pro loves is the depreciation. And what we find in many cases, not all, but in many cases with real estate, you know, your cash flow, meaning, you know, the rent checks going into your pocket after you pay for any expenses you may or may not have is money in your pocket. And a lot of times you don't have to pay tax on that because of the depreciation deduction that is on your tax return. So, you know, you get the money from the rent and you pay the mortgage or whatever you pay for maintenance. And then a lot of times you still, if you structured, if you bought the right property and rent it out for enough, right. You still have money coming in and you don't have to pay really much tax on it, which is an amazing thing about real estate. And then too, um, we think about, you know, estate planning and things like that, holding on to real estate, there's really great tax advantages for, you know, selling real estate, doing a 1031 exchange and not having to recognize a gain or not having to pay tax on the gain on the property because the value appreciates. Or if you hold on to it until you die currently, you know, whoever inherits the property doesn't have to pay tax on it either because they get a step up to the fair market value, which I'm using a lot of big words here. You guys don't let that stress you out, but I guess what I'm saying is like, this is something to consider that can be very lucrative if structured the, the right way. And, you know, a lot of like traditional financial planners, I've literally talked to people who like poo-poo, you know, real estate investing or buying businesses because they're like, there's all these hidden expenses. It's not as good as you think it is, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, and you also don't get a percentage commission on that from managing that asset, right? So just consider some of these other things. There's really great advantages um, to the alternative investments. I'll make a quick point about the tax advantages. Um, so there's a, there's a thing called REITs, real estate investment trusts. I'm not sure if you've spoken about them before. I'm sure you have. But um, a lot of people think that, that whenever wherever they invest in a REIT, they're buying real estate and they're not. They're investing in a company that is purchasing real estate with the money that they invest. So you do not get to take advantage of the tax benefits with a REIT. And that's why it's really important that you use a direct model of syndication if you are looking for those tax benefits, because you can offset your passive income with your passive depreciation for sure. I'm glad you said that because that's one of those things that I see these like money coaches online, like talk about is like, I'm invested in real estate because I bought stock in a REIT and I'm like, not the same. No, not the same. You're no. invested in a stock that <laughs> yes. is in a specific industry. But anywho, 
Let's talk about, you know, now we've talked about how amazing there's all these benefits. There's different ways to invest. Like how does somebody who has traditionally only invested in some sort of retirement account and their business, how do they get started? One way is what Rachel mentioned, which is um, the self-directed IRA route. And we've had several investors just be able to move money from, you know, their retirement account into our real estate investment opportunities. So that's huge. Yeah. And it's important that they do it the right way as well. They should engage a company, a, a they're called custodians, right? Uh, don't cash out the money and invest it because that's, that's a taxable event for sure. And also it's really important that you um, work with your custodian, they will have specific bank accounts that you have to have distributions sent to, because if your distributions are sent to your personal account, but you invested with an IRA, it's going to be really messy for you. So make yeah. sure you keep outgoing and incoming all on that I, same IRA level or a 401k if you're investing with the solo. Okay. It's really simple, really painless. Honestly, like the most work that our investors do is fill out the subscription documents, which is, you know, our private placement memorandum, just fancy word for it's where we take note of your equity in the property based on your investment and that's it. And then they just sit back, they get monthly updates from us and enjoy the cash flow and appreciation. Yeah. I mean, they really are becoming co-owners of the asset with us. Yeah. And so um, they just don't need to do any of the work. So they're more, the passive investors are letting the money do the work for them. And then we have a team in place that's actually managing the property and then they get um, fully informed on all updates regarding the asset. And then they also get those tax benefits um, in the form of K-1s, like you mentioned. In order to buy commercial real estate, you need, I call it like the trifecta. You need three things. You need time, you need money, and you need experience. And if someone's listening to this and they're like, I don't have any of those things enough, at least to invest in commercial real estate on my own, that's when the syndication model would be perfect for you because you're trusting someone else with their track record and experience, do your due diligence, of course, but you also are then leveraging your time because it's a completely passive investment. And then of course, it's a much lower buy-in than it would cost to buy a building like this on your own. Yeah. I mean, commercial real, like to do it on your own, you definitely have to have money potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, you need to be able to get that bank loan, right? Like you said, to get, you know, maybe they're not going to go for a $15 million bank loan, but you still need to be able to get that bank loan. Um, and, you know, like the client I said, who just bought a million dollar or is under contract for a million dollar Airbnb, you know, she's going to have to put 3000 3, $300,000 down, right? which she had like, this is fine. Cause like I said, her business makes bank and I've been on her to like, we need to start doing something like this. So what do you think like outside of syndication, which, you know, I think can definitely be an interesting way to go about it. What do you think is the best type of real estate for people to get into? If they're like, you know what, I just want to kind of like have my, my own little rental house or like what, what would be the best type that you guys think they should start with? That's a you question. <laughs> I mean, we are not financial advisors <laughs> at all. So let's caveat that. But I mean, I've had um, experience with my buy and hold, flipping, Airbnbs, um, you know, multifamily, triple N. Um, there's um, also things like you can 
actually just be a private money lender that gives you, you know, money um, for a short amount of time and you can let someone borrow it for a real estate project. I mean, I personally think that had I known all that I know now, um, I would have invested differently, but I would have to talk to somebody about their goals and their timeline to actually give that advice. But I would say personally, I probably would have put a lot less money in the sexy Airbnbs. Um, <laughs> and I would have really um, focused on more something like a triple N, which would have given me cash flow and um, appreciation, you know, some years from now. But um, I, I wish that I had all the information I know now back yeah. when I started. So, so you, would, of- you would Go look ahead. at a commercial property primarily, right? Um, I would, I would look at triple N for sure. And then um, the private money lending is also something that's super interesting because it's real estate backed, but it's not necessarily a real estate investment. Um, And then also one of my strategies is to continue flipping properties so that I can have the cash flow or have the money come in so that I can then put it into syndication. Um, So, yeah. 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 I think I think a lot of people think that you have to start in single family and kind of work your way up. And actually mm-hmm. you need a lot less money to start in commercial real estate syndication, a lot less. There's this company we partner with called TribeVest and they make it possible. Like our minimums are usually about 50K. Um, and if you don't have $50,000, that's fine. TribeVest, this company, um, it, they make it so that you can pool money together to reach a minimum. So you can invest with like five grand in syndication. Seriously, you can't do that in single family on your own. I don't know any asset that you could just invest five grand into and and get a return in single family. So, um, and also a lot of the risk is mitigated because again, you're trusting professionals that have done this forever. You're not just figuring it out on your own. So um, yeah, I would agree with you. I think, I wish I would have started in commercial sooner. But I will say like, I, we have a lot of money in multifamily. So if, um, you know, your listeners are not familiar with that, it's basically um, purchasing or the syndication. So a group of investors purchasing large apartment buildings that are a hundred plus units together. Um, I will say that I had the idea that I was going to be getting quarterly cash flows and that my husband and I would be able to retire off of that. But um, there's something called variable loans that a lot of the teams took out. And because the interest rates kind of spiked, we're not getting the cash flow because teams are being conservative and not paying out cash flow. So then I will say that my single family, my buy and hold, just like a house that we bought in Austin, um, that has consistently been paying us rent, right? Um, The problem there is that the insurance has spiked and so has property taxes. So the cash flow that we thought we were going to get isn't as consistent. So I will, it all boils down to diversification. I think that, you know, we um, have a lot of money in different 
uh, parts of real estate, but it all comes down to one, what is our ultimate goal? Let's assess our real estate on an annual basis to see if it's giving us the returns that we want it to give us. Um, If not, let's sell and then like readjust where we're actually investing in. Um, But constantly looking and assessing what type of returns we want. And for us, it's like anywhere from 20 to 30% is our goal for our annualized returns. To summarize, you said to get started, if you don't have enough money to go and get a buy and hold, which is basically a long-term rental, right? Yeah. If you don't have enough money to put down there, which is probably going to be about 30% of the purchase price that you'll need, you can take smaller amounts and look at the syndication model, which is a, like you said, a fancy word for crowdfunding, right? Yeah. Um, Do you think that that is riskier than just investing in the stock market? I don't because at the end of the day, you have real estate. You have a physical asset that you can go touch. You can go look at pretty much all of our risk is mitigated through very expensive insurance that we carry in these properties. So if you're thinking about natural disasters, what if it, the property just wiped off the face of the planet? We have insurance for that. And then also if there are things like fires, typically they only affect a couple of units at a time and we're buying buildings with 150 units. So we're still making income even if there are down units. So I don't think it is um, riskier than the stock market. Uh, it's performed better than the stock market historically, just on an annualized basis. And I don't think you can ever go wrong with real estate. Even people that owned real estate before 2008, they held on to it. They made a ton of money. I will give the caveat of every single investment is risky. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's some risk resilient investments, but whether it's stock market, whether it's real estate, whether it's whatever you choose to invest in, just go with the idea that you are not putting all your eggs in this one basket, like you could lose all your money regardless of where you invest. So you really want to have, you know, some money in reserves so that you can live your life. And then whatever's extra that you want to save for the future, that's what um, you may consider investing in. Yeah. And then like, if you're putting down $300,000 on Airbnb, you could invest in six different assets with that same amount of money. So that's also a good way to mitigate risk as well. Not putting all your eggs in one basket financially. Yeah. Well, okay. You guys have, y'all said a lot, so many good things. I wrote down a couple of other follow-up questions as you have talked And I do want to quickly caveat, you talked about commercial property, meaning offices, stuff like that. That is one that I personally also love to recommend people do. I've seen multiple business owners, multiple examples of business owners who go to sell their business. You know, they're ready to retire. At some point, they bought the office building that their business used. And I have seen that office building give them as much value as their business did (laughs) because they bought it. They held it for so long. You know, they basically, their business rents it from them personally. And then sometimes they'll go and sell it and it's worth as much or more than the business. Or in some cases they'll sell off the business and then keep the property and then keep collecting rent checks every month. And if you set it up to be triple net, meaning you don't, meaning the tenant incurs all the expenses, you literally just have a rent check coming into your bank account every month. And that's, that's it. Exactly. So, 
you know, for you, for women listening, like this can be a really major source, I think of wealth. If we can, we can think about doing this and, you know, I think there's ways to, if you can combine it with buying your business, sometimes the banks, if you have solid cash flow in your business, sometimes the banks will give you, you know, some, you don't have to put as much down. Maybe like, it just depends. Like their banks are weird sometimes y'all <laughs> is a good one to consider. Um, you said that your goal for real estate is to get 20 to 30% return. How do you set that goal? Oh, well, one, we worked with a tax strategist, um, but also we have this tool, which is we're super proud of, which um, we created that will show you how much you need to invest today so that you can live the life that you want to live in the future. And um, it's basically across three different spreadsheets and we outline kind of like, okay, what's your dream life? And then attach a monetary value to that. And then you know how much you need on a monthly basis to give you that life. And then the tool also tells you how much you need to invest and what percentage return you need to invest so that you get to that lifestyle. Yeah. We just reverse yeah. engineered it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the goal really is to be able to replace your current income for my listeners, income from your business, right? To be able to fund your life with income from other sources so yes. that you have the option if you want to walk away from your business. So we, we call it replacing your active income with your passive income. Same thing. Yes. Yeah. And that's something I work through too. And with a lot of my clients will combine, you know, what's the amount that you need to have invested and then also factor in what you could potentially sell your business for one day, because, you know, if you in 10 years sell your business and you walk away with hundreds or thousands or mil, you know, a million plus dollars in your um, pocket, then you obviously have a huge chunk of money that we want to turn around and also go invest that will then fund living for the rest of your life, hopefully. Okay. And then my last question is about women specifically. Why do you think that more women don't invest in these types of things? I just think that sometimes women may take a backseat to financials in general, and they're seen as the captain of spending in their family, but not necessarily, you know, the head of earning or deciding on where money gets placed. Um, but with education, I feel like that can totally shift. Um, and just like we're equal partners in marriage and running the household, I think that women can definitely get the tools they need to provide value to their spouse or partner and, um, and also, or just lead for themselves. Yeah. I think that women maybe just think it's over their heads because they've been told that at some point in their life you know, they, like you said, haven't been allowed to make financial decisions. And so they just feel like it's totally out of their wheelhouse. Whereas like, actually, if you are a stay-at-home mother, your husband might be too busy to consider alternative investments. And it might be a perfect thing for you to bring, you know, to bring to your family or whatever is educating on this. I will say it is like, it has been an upward battle for us as women. 
I can speak for myself personally. I've, you know, Andrea and I are the faces of good, good investing. My husband is a fantastic JJ. Her husband is also a fantastic backend support system, but they aren't like the face of our investing business. But without fail, every time I talk to people about investing, if they want to invest, they go to Dylan, my husband, and it drives me freaking crazy. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's totally uphill battle. We are trying to rewrite the narrative trying to make it accessible for anyone, male, female, young, old, whatever race, like it's for you. And if you're listening to this and you feel like you are out of your depth and you feel like it's over your head and it's reserved for only rich people or men, or it's just your, that's not true. That's a limiting belief. Just shed that right now. It is for you. Success is for you. Yeah. And I'll just add that I am not a math whiz at all. And I am more of like the painter and the creator. And it's still for me. Like I have led my family in investing and getting all the different opportunities. So if you're like, I'm not a math whiz, I'm not either. <laughs> and um, you can definitely just close the gap of that knowledge so that you could feel like you're ready to take steps towards investing. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You said it's like women who are in relationships. A lot of us are seen as the captain of spending and not the captain of earning. And I have primarily women clients and, you know, a lot of them are married. A lot of them are moms and they still, you know, many of them, whatever their income level from their business, a lot of times they still seem to defer to the husbands. And I'm like, you know, I have some who out earn their husbands from their business and they still are like, let me consult with my husband on every spending decision I make. And I'm like, we have to take this power back. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so important. And, you know, the first step, number one, as for business owners is what I talk about all the time. We've got to make good money in our business to fund these things. And, you know, you've heard them say, you don't have to have a ton of money to start investing. So we're going to make money, make enough money in your business to have your income taken seriously at home is a really great first step. If you had a six-figure paycheck from your business, would your income be taken seriously? And then, you know, one thing my husband and I do is I say, hey, like this is my money I've made in my business. We collaborate on goals that we set. And then I say, you know, we agree we're going to do these specific things for the good of our own family and for the, you know, our combined investment portfolio. And then, you know, with a certain amount above and beyond those goals that we set, I say, you know, this is my extra money. If I set this, like I'm going to choose what to do with it. And I'm not asking for permission, but that's because I've I've worked on that mindset. I've kind of always had that that way of thinking, I think. So I think, you know, as you guys are listening. It's just so important to like, like they said, shed that mindset because it is a limiting belief. And one of the things I'm really super passionate about is I think if more women, more women business owners owned more real estate, if we had more money, if we had more assets in our names, I feel like we would have so much more power in the world. And that's only yeah. going to make the world a better place. Could not Absolutely. agree more. <laughs> so yes. take away, let's start investing in something make a decision. You know, if you're listening and you're like, I'm not ready for alternative investments yet, I give you permission to just go put money into your like IRA. That's totally fine. If you can do that consistently, then after, you know, several months, maybe you put some money into there, then you start thinking about like, what's the next level thing that you can start investing in. 
this has been good. Y'all have like so much knowledge. I just appreciate talking about it. I just love that we have some, you know, women on here to talk about real estate investing. The number of pitches that I get from men in real estate, and I'm just like, nope. I'm not gonna <laughs> so we don't just, need any more of those <laughs> no and my husband is a man and he's into real estate and he's great and I'm like we're not I don't want to like no we're not gonna talk about this um so my one question my sort of final thing is I ask everyone all my guests because I think it's important to think about investing think about the future but also to upgrade your life today what is something that you guys have been able to upgrade in your life to today because of your business or because of the investments that you have? For me, it's going to be freedom of time. So when I was working my corporate job, I very much was on their schedule and their schedule of how I build wealth. Um, definitely a glass ceiling with wait, with waiting on promotions and salary increases. So I've just been able to shatter that with taking control of where I invest and how I invest my time because I am now my own boss and I absolutely love it. And I wouldn't change it for anything. I think for me, it's been, I've been able to upgrade my mental health and um, I'm not meaning to sound trite, but seriously, you know, I'm my nine to five is I'm a residential real estate agent in Dallas. And yesterday I had a contract terminate and I was really banking on it to close and in the past, it would have just totally crushed me and I would have been so stressed, blah, blah, blah. Um, but because of our investments, it I had a moment and I was like, you know what? We're okay. We're okay. We're not relying on this income to retire. We're not relying on my ordinary income to put food on the table. And that is such a stress relief. I truly think I'm going to live longer because I'm just not stressed as much. I really believe that. That's such a good point, you know, like to not have to hustle every day and to be able to make that choice. It is, it is life-changing. Like my husband and I realized a few months ago, we we're like, we could, you know, if we wanted to, we could sell my business and then like downsize our house a bit. And we could like not ever work again. We have enough, um, mm -hmm. between that and then our other investments that we have. And it's just like now to have the choice and like, I want to keep growing my like portfolio, right? Like I'm not done, but to just know, like, I don't have to do this if I don't want to is honestly life-changing. And that is why it's so important to get started with creating some passive income for yourself, some passive cash flow. It's just so crucial. Yeah. Yes. Can't agree more. This was great. I appreciate your time. How can everybody find you? Um, and you know, if they're interested in looking at some of the deals you have, how can they find those? Everything's on our website, goodgoodinvesting.com. Um, you can get links to our podcast there. We have um, great podcast episodes, super short and quick. Um, we go over every question you never even thought you needed to ask. We go over it. So check that out. And then of course, you can book a call with us if you'd like to get on our deal flow. Due to the Security and Exchange Commission, very strict regulations, we actually do have to have a very quick phone call before we're allowed to share any deals with you. So um, definitely make sure to do that if you are interested. Yep. And then just uh, fill out our form and keep in touch. Um, we'll collect, you know, name and email, but that's a great way to stay in touch with us as well. Awesome. Well, everybody go check that out. This was so good. I appreciate your time again and all of your knowledge that you so freely and kindly shared. And I hope everybody enjoyed it and is excited to go make some investments. So I'll see you back next week. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Now, I want you to go take some action. What's one thing you can do this week to create more profit in your business? Send me a DM on Instagram at youngcocfo and share your action item with me. If you have a question or topic you'd like me to dive into, or if you're feeling empowered about taking charge of your finances, let's continue the conversation. Go to profitandprosper.co to submit a question or topic for me to talk about on the show. And because we all profit and prosper better with friends, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe wherever you listen, and share the episode. Make sure you tag me at youngcocfo on Instagram so I can give you some love, and I'll see you in the next episode.